Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Lieberland Show. This is episode 79. I'm your host, Adam J. Carswell, and today we are joined by Andy from the Institute of Aliveness. You can see- For Aliveness, Adam. <laughs> for Aliveness, thank you. Good catch, good catch. You can see she's got her Lieberland flag there. Um, the way the camera works on the recording is it goes back and forth between you and I, depending on who's speaking, so I wanna make sure when you lead with speaking, you still got that flag up there. So before we dive in, Andy, go ahead and show the camera what you, what you got here and, and let us know what you're looking forward to in today's conversation. Yeah, here we go. There's my portable Liverland flag from our seventh anniversary cruise, which I will carry with me all over the world as I as I move. And um, I'm excited, I'm honored to be here on the Liverland show. You've made it. <laughs> Um, so something you said right there that actually caught my attention was you, you were on the cruise. That's where you got the flag. I did not have the privilege of going there. Um, it, it's something that it sounds like went very well and we're probably going to do more of it moving forward. So tell us a little bit about the, about the Lieberland cruise. How did you get invited? How, how, yeah. How'd you find out about it? What was it like? And, and we'll take it from there. Yeah. Wow. I thought it was really, really fun. Um, Let's see. So the cruise went from Budapest to Belgrade, uh, and it was a whole host of people. A good, if I remember correctly, 50 to 100, something between there. And people got on and off. Some people only stayed on the on the Hungarian side. Some people only came on the Serbian side. Um, I did both. Yes, a, a good cohort of us had two, I think, believe I believe two overnights uh, on the boat. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful cruiser down the Danube and yes, I was invited by Veep and I had recently hired a COO in Budapest. So I took it okay. as a little bit of a work excuse to go there a little early and do some work before hopping on the boat. And it was my first engagement in person with the Liberland community. And I was really greatly pleased and I, I enjoyed dropping into the community. Yeah. So you guys, this is another thing I think you'll notice instantly about Andy, because I remember when I first met her, I'm like, man, where, where is that accent from? I, it sounds like it's, it could be like she moved from somewhere to the US and then just worked on her English for a really long time. But she's actually from Ohio, like myself, and has just been living that the digital nomad life before that was even a thing. I think you've been um, remote for about the past, what, 16 years, and you've taught and spoken six different languages i don't know you tell me how did you get the accent that you have now and where where are you from how did you get the accent uh well my tongue was tied quite literally um i the accent's a mix of things i taught when i was 21 i taught on a language learning system i was teaching english in india uh, on a language learning system called the Tomatis method. And it was using pressure on the skull bones as well, which communicated to pressure on the tongue uh, to try to perfect people's English accents. And yet when I was the teacher on it, hearing my own voice, my own voice would be modulated and it would work my inner ear muscles to a way that essentially fucked up my own accent. <laughs> not enough. Um, yeah, and then speaking enough languages and speaking mostly with non-native English speakers and all of that. Some people think I'm Irish, uh, which is great, amusing. And it definitely comes out in different ways depending upon who I'm speaking to. Even just the way you just said that now, I'm like, okay, I can, I could see that. Just that last sentence, the, the last sentence that you said actually sounded a bit Irish right after you said that. I'm like, okay, there we go. 
speaking about Irish, no, I've never actually never been to Ireland yet. Uh, in the hundred plus countries, Ireland is not yet one of them. Is it in your uh, Is it in your blood? It is not. No. What, what's <laughs> in your blood? The accent follows bloodlines. I am largely Eastern European. I, I oh, actually yeah? just last night was uncovering Hungarian roots and uh, thinking to apply for a second passport there. I've heard, yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard that's definitely a, a direction a handful of people I know are considering. So good for you if you do it. Um, I know, so I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and Cleveland has the largest concentration of Slovenians in America, to my knowledge. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm Slovenian as well, which has been cool about the whole Lieberland journey. It's like, I'm coming back to my roots too. Um, you said you have Eastern European roots. Do you, being in Ohio, do you know if you have a Slovenian connection there? No, it's more north. It's like Belarus, Latvia, Lithuania, you know, Poland, Russia, Ukraine. Yeah. Got it. They just didn't give you the blonde hair. Yeah, well, it's, some people say it's, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> cool. Well, um, you were on the cruise, but somehow you, you got connected with Lieberland before the cruise. Otherwise, you wouldn't yeah. have been invited. So where was the inception moment for you on your Lieberland journey? Mm -hmm. Well, I remember hearing Vit speak at Anarca Portugal, a wonderful event oh, wow. okay. by some of my friends back in 2018. So already four years ago. Uh, and I was like, hmm, that's an interesting concept. I wonder if that guy's going to be successful. He seems jolly. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of had this, like, it was memorable, but it wasn't anything to act upon. And I myself come from political economy and a big part of my search uh, in at least my bachelor's and in those early formative years was to search for a different organization of humanity, kind of what was beyond okay. what as global nation state politics today and um, so any kind of new nation state idea is, is very stimulating to me uh, so it was memorable but I didn't act on it or nothing happened until in 2020 during COVID uh, Vita and I were slated to speak right after one another in a unit conference that was put on virtually and um, I remember hearing at least half of his presentation and thinking like, hmm, I want to follow up with this dude. It seems like it's gone somewhere since I first heard about it two and a half years ago. Sure, sure. Uh, I'd like to, to tap back in and, and, and learn more. And so when we did and we had our initial conversation, um, it was very clear that uh, I had the capacity and desire to steward kind of the health aspects of this newly forming country, as well as um, the ambassadorship to... You could say my country of adoption culturally, uh, which is India. Um, it is the place that I've spent a plurality of my time over the past 14 years. So, yeah. Very cool. Okay. So definitely have questions on that. One thing I want to ask here, though, is you mentioned your undergrad or bachelor's degree. Was that in the U.S.? Did you study in the U.S. or did you go international right from the gate? Um, no, I, I worked the system. I worked the system. I, uh, at the ripe age of 18, had the foresight to realize that the last thing I wanted to do was spend the next four years having a traditional U.S. college partying existence. And so I created my own program and made a proposal to study abroad all four years. Oh, okay. And so it was like through a, an American university... And I only spent eight months on campus and I graduated after three. And I, I mean, it, it really was the foundation of me becoming an expat because I was, you know, I was in several countries a year, whether I was teaching or learning or working or studying or whatever it was. 
Um, what school yeah. was it that you leveraged? The Ohio State University Honors College. There we go. Okay, now the for those of you who are from Ohio, I'm going to say it here. I'm going to say it one time. Andy, I expect you to follow up here. Oh, Ohio. Ohio. There we go. All right. Despite <laughs> despite the unconventional path, you know, you still got the Ohio in the blood, which is great. Um, <clears throat> so where did you go first on that path that you kind of created for yourself? Hmm. I mean, already when I was in high school, I was living abroad in Mexico. I was teaching uh, at a day school. I was teaching English. And so this started, like, this, this, this began in high school, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's when I, when I realized that, um, I mean, my first time really being abroad, I was like being outside of Mexico and Canada and the Caribbean and these vacation spots, like really living abroad. I was like, oh my God, people here have a different worldview. They think about the world differently. And I mean, you and I speaking as Americans, there's already, and everyone watching who's not American will appreciate this. There's, there's like a, a modality of thought that's inherently limited. I mean, the U.S. thought process is limited anyway by nature of its geography because there's not really border nations. I mean, there's Canada, yeah, our little brother up south, our little sister. Up <laughs> and, a lot and, of it's funny you know, say that because I, I I know a lot of Canadians are like we're not little. It's like yeah, it's totally. like ninety percent of the. Uh, Canadian population is within like 100 miles of the U.S. border. Sorry, Canadians. I love you guys. I live here, <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Continue. Yeah, well, it's also population and influence and things like this. It's, it's minimal compared to the U.S. So there's this kind of diminutive that the U.S. thinks about Canada with. And then, you know, Mexico, the hired help down south, this kind of massive, awful, <laughs> like, outlook upon the bordering nations and other than that the u.s doesn't really deal with anything whereas you know i can live in europe or um sit with a european friend and there's so much more consciousness of the other what edward said in or orientalism or even going back to heidegger philosophy and looking at the concept of the other and how the the understanding of the other helps us to construct our own thought of ourselves. the u.s doesn't really have that concept of the other it is heavily egotistical for want of another way to think about it where it's just self-involved and um so as soon as I kind of broke free from that and I remember I was sitting on a bus I was 16 and I was like oh my god there are other ways of thinking about the world and our place in it and as soon as that happened that first realization I would just this hunger came of I want more I want more I want more and um yeah I kind of haven't looked back since there's just been this this enticement to constant self-discovery through discovering other people's worldviews. And um, a few years ago, I found that I, I really gained an agility around it because in my early years of traveling, I was really staying somewhere for two to three months or three, four or five months, um, having a place to live, like traveling locally around the area, around the country or the region and settling a little bit more. And then uh, when... I lived in Indonesia for three and a half years. And um, when I left there in 2017, that's when my traveling became a, a little bit quicker. And um, in doing that, I remember, especially as I was speaking, I started speaking at conferences, I would speak on human optimization in an age of technological innovation. I would, you know, bump in and out or dip in and out of different cultures. And I just became really good at putting my finger on the pulse 
of a cultural worldview of like where what how people are perceiving their self and other in the world and the, the story that they're telling themselves culturally collectively and um that it's so enriching to just you know be able to play musical chairs around the round table of humanity and not be stuck or fixed to one place or one nation or one state or one modality of thought and so you know it's no it's no wonder that my accent's all fucked up <laughs> that's that's the moral of the story that's the story <laughs> of the accent um <clears throat> wow there's a lot to unpack there and i think the biggest thing that stands out to me is to, to validate what what you pointed out and i think it's the government indoctrination camps that we have here in north america but you know a lot of my especially friends in the u.s canada not quite as much but in the u.s a lot of americans never get a passport because it's just not encouraged it's not even really talked about I, I the thought of getting my my passport didn't become a thing until i finished uh university and i i'm definitely not the only one that has experienced that and so um that is the one of the biggest differences i've noticed between yeah, even canada um europe other countries it's much more standard to get that ticket in and out of your country and that's definitely a benefit to the individual more so than than not having it so if you're an American tuned in right now, you don't have your passport, definitely, especially being from the US right now, obviously things could change, but that US passport is like gold. You know, you could pretty much go anywhere that you want. Um, I mean, I, like, unless you want to go to like China or Russia. 2020. Right? <laughs> no, until 2020, that was true. And then in 2020 with the US COVID situation, it was very looked down upon. And I mean, I've been traveling for 16 years, right? So I- Were you rejected I anywhere? Oh yeah, the border of Bulgaria flew oh, in. Oh, you know what? Because of COVID, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna agree with you on that because in the media, the US was portrayed as like everyone's dying. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, even when I came back from Canada to the US for a trip, I had a lot of people here like, <laughs> are you gonna get shot? Are you gonna die from COVID? And look, I mean, everywhere in the world has crime, et cetera. You just have to have street smarts for the, I would say for the most part, wherever you go um, and turn off the TV. Cause when I came to the U S during that time of chaos, it was, it was a completely different world from what, you know, maybe CNN was telling people, but you're absolutely right. I forgot about that. The U S uh, actually was a little bit of like a COVID hotspot that people didn't want to let in for a little while there. So did you leverage another passport when you were traveling or, or you only have a U.S. No, one? no, just my Liberland e-residency card. <laughs> yeah, did you get, uh, get this in the in the mail yet? Did you get yours? No, I haven't been chosen to receive one. <laughs> you got you to put that work in. I know, so you, maybe that is it. You got to put that work in. All right, um, putting that work in here. <laughs> yeah, the, so that that's the, the biggest thing I, I've noticed uh, and I'm sure you could agree is like, I think in the US, we're definitely a 24 seven mentality type of human where it's work, 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 work. I think China probably I haven't been to China, but I'm assuming it's similar to that there too. Um, and that's to our benefit in many ways, but sometimes it can kind of be a turnoff. And I know, during my time in, in Europe, uh, I always found it fascinating from a networking perspective is a very much there's much more of an emphasis on getting to know the individual as a person before hey what do you do i'm a doctor like that's just doesn't seem to be a common thing that i've seen when meeting someone new um, from a european culture compared to america it's the first question is what do you do 
it's kind of judgmental. <laughs> I don't personally, I don't really like it. I mean, do you have any thoughts on, on that? And then I definitely, before I forget, I want to talk about the Institute for Aliveness, Aliveness too, but yeah. we'd like to hear your feedback on, on, on those thoughts. Yeah. I mean, the, the cultural value system in the U.S. about work as kind of the answer or the only way to prove your self-worth and the way in which people are very trapped in structures of trying to unfold childhood mommy daddy trauma of you know good girl good boy through achieving in the corporate sphere or today's day and age the entrepreneurial sphere um is very detrimental to human health i would say i would argue and to a certain extent human culture which is what you're more or less getting to and um what I will say is that um, the, the thing about being in different places is you often have a context in which you meet, whereas in the US, things are a bit more random. So for example, in China, a place that I lived when I was 19, it was very formative to my becoming. Uh, you would have a, you know, a, a dinner hosted by someone and you would come together under that precipice. So it's not so much about what you do because you're here invited by so-and-so and thus that's kind of your entry level to be here and you don't necessarily need to spend time talking about what you do unless it's a business meeting or something like that. Um, whereas in the US, you know, you just, you bump into people and it's, it's like something like the weather to talk about. Um, what I personally say instead of what do you do or what's your job is how do you spend your time? Because that also includes people who are on the non-traditional path, be it a stay-at-home mom or be it uh, you know, a retired exited entrepreneur. You know, It's like, how do you spend your time? It's just much more inclusive. Um, and it also opens it up to beyond work. But in the culture, like you mentioned of work, 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 if that's the only thing that's um, societally valued or that is the only way that people spend their time and maybe they go rock climbing after work two days a week or something like that, um, then it's, it's much more emphasis on hobbies. And there's just this um, kind of isolated way of looking at the human experience. Whereas in um, other societies, maybe they're more collectivist societies. So looking at traditional societies like Latin America or, um, you know, to some extent, South Asia, East Asia, where the family unit is still really strong um, and people might live with their parents until they get married, things like this, where there's not this hyper-individualization of defining, again, of the ego, of the self, then there's much more space for um, true human connection rather than I'm just defined by my work, my paycheck, my purse that I'm holding in a female sense or the watch that I have in a male sense. And that's where we can connect and that's it. And it's like this, this constant playground game of chicken that continues into adulthood because there's not um, an avenue or a space to open to real human connection of like, what are you actually experiencing right now? All right, so before you press record, you were like, oh, we only have so much time. And I was like, wait, but how are you, Adam? Like, what's real for you? And you know, that sense of, of dropping into our common humanity is, uh, I think integral to our species success in any endeavor, including setting up new nations. Boom. Mic drop. End of the show, guys. Bye. We'll see you later. No, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I was like, should I make a joke about how Andy has like seven Lamborghinis parked in her garage right now? <laughs> <laughs> he does not. Andy owns very little property. <laughs> um, love it. Love it. So 
talking about Institute for Aliveness, the Institute for Aliveness, love the name. Tell us about the inception there, what you guys are working on right now, and how our listeners can really get involved and get to know you more through your, through your mm-hmm. not to talk, make it talk about business, but to, to talk about your business. How can they get involved? Yeah, well, first of all, it's totally not a business at all, um, at all, at all. Um, I just got off a, a call on I'm writing a white paper on um, why for DAOs to succeed, they will necessitate conscious actors. Like you have to have consciousness in the nodes for a DAO movement to actually succeed. And um, Tifa is effectively a DAO, but um, that's byproduct of the um, the co-ownership of the the institute and um, that not a business kind of thing. Um, the Institute for Aliveness was founded also in uh, 2020 or late 2019. Cool. Um, I, I realized that I needed to disinherit a lot of parts of my career. I had this big career in health and wellness and teaching yoga teacher trainings, teaching consciousness, uh, as well as emotional intelligence and working I have on- a, I actually have a brief question on the yoga piece, just because this is something that I know I need more of in my life. And I've had moments where I was like very consistent with my yoga. And I, I'll be honest, I'm doing not a good job right now. Do you have a preferred like hack to just make sure you get like 15 minutes of yoga in each day? Like, do you have a preferred time or way to do that? I mean, first thing in the morning, it's, that's what the sun salutations are. Surya Namaskar, it's rise with the sun, salute it, acknowledge it, and then go, go throughout your day. I got to get that in my calendar. Yeah, I would love you to join. You would actually be really great. We have a online Ashtanga yoga lab, which is all about learning discipline and that kind of like how do you put yourself first, especially in this uh, work-oriented society where things are, you know, it's all about self-sacrifice effectively um, and martyrdom, which I have lots of experience with. <laughs> um, that that kind of putting yourself first, Ashtanga Vinyasa, uh, it's a style, it's a certain style of yoga where it's um, a rigorous, every day it's the same. Um, and you go through the sequence following your own breath and your own cues and everyone's just there doing it together. There's no active guidance, but there's a teacher who like recess at school will supervise you with unconditional love um, and put in a tip here and there. Um, so yeah, I'd love you to join. We have a, a lab that meets six days a week and that, that would be an undeniable way to commit to yourself and obviously flexibility, but more than anything, uh, what we call dharana or that, that sense of concentration, one-pointed focus um, that you can get from a yoga practice. Yeah. Perfect. And for everyone tuned in right now, don't, don't leave me hanging, come join me. So I'm not the only one <laughs> from Liberland getting in on it. No, I, yeah, I had a, a brief moment, uh, about two or three years ago. It was actually right before COVID where I was going five days a week doing hot yoga. And that was the only time since maybe being about 18, I'm 31 now where I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm 18 again, every day, waking up, you get to get up, jump around, like no stiffness, no soreness. And I let it drift away, but it sounds like maybe it's coming back now. So thank you. I'll pass it back to you to keep telling us about um, yeah. the Institute. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. That's, I mean, that sense of feeling like you're 18 again, that's really, um, that's everything that we run. That sense of renounced youthfulness um, that, you know, everyone's a, a victim of, if you will, um, in having gone into the career and adulting and all of these things. It's like, how do you get back that spark of aliveness or vitality? Um, and so, so anyway, so the Institute was founded, um, to be an offloading of my career. Um, 
because when I left my career in 2017, um, it was apparent that no one else was really doing what I was doing, which was full spectrum embodiment work, kind of taking all of these pen precepts and concepts and tenets of uh, what it means to be a healthy human and all these things that are really cheap and like little sound clips and this pop health knowledge and taking it to the next level where we are showing up differently as humans. And so that's what TIFA was founded upon. Uh, and it's intended to be a grassroots uh, movement in, in human evolution. And so we currently have students representing more than 40 countries. And uh, we enroll with an 18 month program every single January. Uh, it's a big commitment and yet it's um, intended to take 10 years of self-growth and put it into a year and a half. And um, we have quite conclusive results that that's happening and working. And um, it's amazing to witness. And a lot of our, you know, we have an incredible community of humans um, who are all exhilarate professionals in their own right, whether they're, you know, professional athletes or musicians, professional musicians or ex-supermodels or doctors, dentists, pharmacists, you know, we have the whole realm of people who are very high achieving as they are. And then this is like finishing school for the high achievers. And so that's what TIFA is at its heart. And then that will branch out over the years into um, much more playing on the network effect globally, um, instituting these principles of preventative health, which are mind, body, and spirit awareness. And that's not something that's romantic, like, oh, mind, body, spirit, right? We don't, we don't look at it like that. We, we really take it uh, for what it is, and we look at the body's ability to heal itself if given the time and space to do so. What are the principles of right living? How do we engage different concepts of non-traditional medicine? And how do we understand the, the world that we're, we live in in relationship to the body and the, the centralization of our health through medical authorities? And how do we take our agency back? Uh, so that's a really big kind of tenet of the body philosophy of Tifa. And then mind is understanding that we all have childhood trauma. And so when we look at trauma and psychosomatics and we start to unpack the filters that we look through, which are often filters of fear that really code our reality and um, help us tell ourselves stories, whether they're stories we want or stories we don't want uh, and how we can start to reauthor those stories and de-story our life and just kind of live in presence um, as well as garnering a tremendous amount of emotional intelligence and nervous system regulation and, um, kind of taking hold on the neurotransmitter releases rather than being prey to, you know, cortisol, adrenaline all the time. What does it look like to actually be able to self-source dopamine um, and different, different tenants like that. And then in spirit, we look not at spirituality, but rather at community design and the coherence of a community and the development of um, kind of what keeps us connected and, and how the human species can evolve and different systems of organization and things like this. So um, and we also get into sex and sexuality and the, the deeper levels of embodiment at the end of the first year of content. And so, so that's Tifa. There's, there's so many ways to get involved. We also run short courses. We have uh, one coming up in about two weeks, uh, Chinese medicine course for women. Uh, I'll be teaching an astrology course in cool. June. Um, we have courses all throughout the year, men's sexuality coming up, uh, I think in September. Um, so yeah, there's, we're, we're kind of there to be, to hold a new standard for humanity at large, but also the world of wellness and self-development and also to kind of be at the edge of these conversations, you know, with us, it's not about like, let's get a drink and talk about politics or the weather. Like, that's not what we're here for. We're here for confrontation of oneself and another, one another yeah, in a really growth oriented way.
Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you, uh, thank you for your leadership and and everything that you and your team have built. It sounds like it's you know something that especially coming into creation during that COVID era when everyone was kind of scared and there was chaos. That's when some of the coolest concepts that I've seen up until you know it's 2022. Now there's been some really cool creations over the past couple of years that have come from the chaos, and now I know that Tifa is one of them. Um, and I have someone that I wrote her name down. There's someone I want to connect you with who I'm like, man, I feel like I'm talking to my other friend right now who needs to meet huh? Andy. So, um, all right, time to wind it down. My final request or question for you, Andy, is if, uh, there was one thing that you could visualize for Liberland that you would like to see, you know, come into physical fruition with the country, with the nation, what would that, that one thing be that comes to mind for you? I love that. Um, yeah, that the community culture, that the ethos of this new um, up and coming country be uh, one that is non-reactive, right? So not based on the ego and the externalized concept of self, but rather one where, you know, we all, we Lieberlanders look inside first and say like, hey, what's going on with me right now? What's that about? Okay, so interesting. Right. And then come from that place of self-inquiry and that place of having paused rather than reactionary existence. Love it. Love it. There you go, Lieberland. That is the uh, the vision. So remember to take a moment, maybe right after this interview, to pause and observe and be aware of what's going on inside of you. I'm what's going, going be- on in your life? Where are you in your life in your hero's journey right now? What like what is the story? What is the truth? What you know, what are your trials and tribulations? What are your current obstacles? Right? Knowing that you will get past them, knowing that this is just a moment in time and so be with yourself in that fierce kind of heroic way on your hero's journey. Love that. Thank you. It's all about the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Andy, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us here today your time. Any closing remarks for our listeners? No, big fan, Adam. Keep doing your great work. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Liberland Show. This has been episode 79 with Andy from the Institute for Aliveness. I just remembered, I don't think we actually left a like a URL or an email or a, way for, a, a best way for people to get in touch with you. So what would that that best way be? Um, I mean, my personal website is andyx.ai. I work on many other projects and uh, I love collaboration and we love partnerships at the Institute for Aliveness. We also have a one-week fasting program, which I think I extended this on the cruise and I would be happy to. Anyone who is a Liberland citizen is welcome to be my guest on the initiation, which is a one-week fasting retreat. And that's a 300 euro value. So that's not a a small gift that I'm giving you there, but it's a change your life kind of program. So that's called the initiation and that's the initiation.co. Otherwise we have the Institute for Liveness.com. Wow, very cool. All right, Andy, and and you said andyx.ai is also a really good and preferred way, right? Well, it's a centralization. You can get to all of those websites. Get it all from there, okay. There you go, guys. Andy X is in xylophone.ai. Thank you again for investing your most valuable resource here today, our listeners, your time as well. We will catch you in the next episode. Thanks. Thank you, Adam.